Okay, so it was about this time of year. I was probably 11 or 12 years old. It was a few, few weeks before Christmas. I'm over at a friend's house, and he's all excited. And he goes, Dave, guess what? I got this amazing, amazing video game for Christmas. I don't remember the video game. I just remember it was the one that all of our friends wanted. I think it was a baseball video game. And I was like, oh, this is so good. And then I was like, wait, it's like December 5th. How do you know that you got this for Christmas? So then he told me that he was snooping for his presents and he found it in his parents' closet uh, and he pulled it out. And I was like, okay. And then he says, let's play it. And this was the moment where I, okay, let's put aside just the ethical issues of snooping for your presents, finding your presents, taking them out, showing your friend and playing with it. And I felt like as a good friend, it was just my duty to let him know about the practical problem that he was going to face. Because once you unwrap the sealed plastic thing around the video game, even if we get away with it now, by the time your parents go and wrap it in Christmas present paper, they are going to understand that you've already got it, you've unwrapped it, you play with it. And that is going to be a problem. And so when I told him that, he made it very clear to me right away that he did not care. So we played with the game. We played all afternoon. It was a ton of fun. And then we went and we put it back in his parents' closet like nothing had ever happened. A few weeks go by, Christmas comes, Christmas goes. I call him up. Hey, let's get together. I want to play the game again. Let's do it. At which point he tells me sheepishly, actually, it turns out, I think my mom realized that we opened it and played it. And so she took it back to the store and I got Battleship instead. (laughs) Brutal. Okay. Some things are worth waiting for right? Some things are worth waiting for. We are in the Advent season. Advent means waiting, and it is, uh, Advent and Christmas are a little bit different, right? Because Christmas is, we're finally there, and we get to open the presents. We get to, you know, that moment where we're celebrating Jesus' birth and, and the culmination of our expectations and our desires and all the things that we were hoping for. But Advent is that time where we wait. It is sometimes a painful time. It is a time where uh, we recognize that we don't have everything that we want or even that we need. Time where we think of our longings and our desires and maybe some of those are unmet and in the waiting, we trust that God will change us. He will transform us. We look forward uh, in hope and for love and joy and peace, but we know that we're not quite there yet. And so we're inviting all of us as a church together um, to enter into that waiting season and to recognize that not everything in our lives and in our world is perfect But it's worth waiting for, and it's worth looking forward to what God is doing. And Advent's interesting, because on one hand, we look back to what God has already done in the birth of Jesus, his life, his death, and resurrection, and also we look forward to what he will continue to do in our world and in our lives as we search for that. So today, I want to talk to you just for a couple of minutes about Mary. Mary, who one day uh, is visited by an angel, Gabriel, who shows up and tells her that she's going to be pregnant and that that baby is going to be from God, and he's going to be the savior of the world. And I'll read from uh, Luke chapter 1 a little bit, because you can understand that that would not be easy news. It says, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. The kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. 
There's a fairly recognizable, popular passage from the Christmas story. If you've been in church around Christmas, you've probably heard it, and maybe it loses a little bit of its sting. But just think a little bit about Mary's situation when she hears this. So she is a teenager. She is unwed. She is now pregnant, which means in, in her culture, a couple of thousand years ago in the Near East, there'd be a lot of people that thought even just that situation meant she should be stoned to death. I mean, this is kind of a very strange story. And the story that she's going to go with to tell people, well, what's happened? Why are you in this situation? What's going on? Is that an angel showed up to me and this baby is God's baby miraculously conceived and he's going to save the world. So there's going to be a couple of people that don't believe her. There's going to be a couple of people that go, that's kind of a lot for us. I mean, that is a kind of crazy story. And so we read sometimes very sentimentally about this story. And yet we realize Mary now is stepping into an extremely scary situation. How am I going to be cared for? What about this baby? What are people going to think? Am I going to be shunned and shamed and kicked out? Or worse, how is this baby's life going to be? Can I believe any of this kind of stuff? And a few verses later, uh, down uh, about 10, 11 verses in the chapter, uh, there's this song that comes from from Mary is called the Magnificat, and uh, it's sort of her response to all of this after hearing this incredible news, but also entering into a situation she never would have guessed, one that would have been filled probably with worry and anxiety and fear and a lot of struggle to come. It says, Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One is holy, and He has done great things for me. She starts by framing this in the way saying, I am just a lowly servant girl. Lowly there, actually, it's a word that means as low to the ground as you can go, as humble as you can get. She's going, I am really not that significant in the big picture. And yet, she's then comparing that with what God is doing in her life, that he is the mighty one, that he's holy, he's set apart, that he's done great things for me, that even in this situation that has so many threats, I'm trusting because God is great, he's holy, and he has done great things for me. She even says that, that from generation to generation, they will call her blessed. And if you're kind of skeptical of Christianity, of Jesus, of the Bible, if you don't believe any of that or very small parts of it, you got to believe that part. Because here we are, 2,000-something years later, and over the next few weeks, millions of people in the world are going to call Mary blessed. The mother who carried, if you're a follower of Jesus, the one who birthed the Messiah, the Savior of the world, King Eternal, God incarnate, the Word became flesh, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the one who would be king and who would reign forever. And so you may not believe any of that. But Mary was right, wasn't she? From generation to generation, for hundreds, no, thousands of years, people will call Mary blessed, the one who carried Jesus. And then in verse 50, she goes from this list that she's talked about, about what God has done for her personally, and there's a me to we moment. There's a, I'm talking about my story, but now I'm going to place it in a bigger story, which by the way, is a, a great thing for us to do, is to realize that our story fits into a bigger story. So now she talks not just about what God is doing for her or has done for her, she goes wider. She says, he shows mercy, or this is uh, compassion, this is an active love, this is we expect someone who shows mercy to act on our behalf in a positive way. So he shows mercy, love from generation to 
generation to all who fear him or who are in awe of him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. This short little passage called the Magnificat has such power that there have been numerous nations who have banned its reading. You cannot read this in public. You cannot share this. And you go, why? It's a nice Christmas sentimental story because it talks about bringing down powerful people. It talks about those who who are rich going away with nothing, but those who are humble being exalted, those who have nothing being fed, those who are on the bottom rising up. And there have been governments who have realized that if there are people who read this and actually believe it, that they believe that that is actually what God does. He turns everything on its head and those who don't have enough and those who aren't being cared for and those who don't have any power or influence will actually rise up and God will care for them and liberate them and free them. They realize this could be a revolution for those of us who are rich and powerful. This is very threatening. Mary looks into the history of her people and says, this is what I believe God does. And here I am, his lowly servant. And I get to carry this child, the child who is going to be a king that represents this. But I was going to quickly list some of the things about God that Mary uh, writes about here in, in the Magnificent. God sees me. God blesses me. God does great things for me. God loves those who are in awe of him. God lifts up the humble, he feeds the hungry, he helps the helpers, and he continues to speak to his children the way he spoke to their ancestors. He shows mercy or compassion, love from generation to generation, on and on and on. So here's my quick uh, reflection for you today, application point. Um, For the Christmas season, for many of us, there are some things that seem big, not always, some, some very good things, but also some difficult things. Some things that just seem like big challenges or big hurdles. It might be our grief. It might be stress. It might be anxiety. It might be our fears. It might be relational uh, issues that we're having with people that we wish we were in harmony with. And as we kind of move towards Christmas in the waiting season and in the season where we might think of some of those things and wish and hope and long for things to be different and for things to be whole... I don't suggest that we pretend our problems are small, but instead that we acknowledge that our God is big. Because most of us, we don't need to be reminded that our problems are big, but we do need to be reminded of how big our God is. The Magnificent starts the first line. Mary says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Literally, it says how my soul magnifies the Lord, makes him Big. That's what we do when we praise. We make someone famous. We, we think more about who they are and what they do, and we make that bit. I mean, that's, by the way, the negative stuff. That's how it gets so big in our minds as well, our big problems, and then we ruminate about them. We think about them. Uh, we worry about them. They go over and over sometimes in our mind. And while that's real, I think Mary points us to just this powerful principle where she says, my soul will magnify the Lord. So when I was a little kid, little kid, like three years old, I don't remember this. It's before I can remember stuff. I'm just told the story. When I was a little kid, I was like blind. 
not don't like, oh no, like I'm kind of joking, but um, I couldn't see anything. Like my parents would take me out. This is, they didn't know because as I'm getting a little bit older and I'm seeing stuff, they would take me places like a fair or something and go, hey, look at the big, huge sign. And I'd be like, I don't know, I don't see it. No, the huge one with the big letters and all the lights. And I'd be like, I got nothing. So my parents realized, okay, we got to do something about this. And so they went and got my eyes checked. Turns out uh, I had just a terrible prescription. So they strapped glasses on me. I had glasses from like three years old, right early on before anybody else. Um, And I still do today. So I'm wearing contact lenses right now because if not, I couldn't read anything. I couldn't see anything. I'm always wearing glasses or contact lenses. If I wake up in the morning and I reach for my phone or a book or anything before I put on glasses or contacts, I cannot see anything. But once I put those lenses in, some things are magnified. And when things are magnified, my perspective changes. And with my perspective changing, I see things I could not see before, and I can do things that I could not do before, certain things come into focus in a very important way. So Mary is saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. It doesn't say I don't have problems in life. It doesn't diminish the struggles. It says in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all the threats of my situation, I will magnify the Lord. And then she writes about all these things that she's seeing. Quick application. I have a few, but for time's sake, I'm just going to give you one. Over the next few weeks, would you take some time to reflect? Uh, talked about reading, because Mary, she's very historical, by the way. She, she's using a lot of uh, uh, allusions to Scripture we don't have time to, to deal with. Um, but, you know, some of it I think we can read. We can read in the Scriptures about the Christmas story, about Jesus' story. Uh, but what I want to encourage you to do today is reflect. Here's two questions for you. Number one, where have you seen God in the past? work on your behalf. Just think about your life and up till now. Are there times when you would say, man, it's unmistakable God showed up. Maybe unmistakable that God showed up in a miraculous way. God showed up in a way I didn't expect him to show up. God showed up in a way I could have never seen ahead of time to give you some confidence and remind you that God always shows up. Not always when and where and how we expect him to, but he shows up. Where has God been working in the past? And then this question, and this is, I think, just find some quiet time, um, if you can, alone. um, Take a little bit longer. I know for some of us it's so difficult, but maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes, and ask God, where is he at work right now? Even in all the areas that seem so big, all the struggles that seem so big, and I don't want to diminish them or make them small, say, God, where are you showing yourself to me today? And then allow yourself to respond. We respond by praise. We respond by worship, by thanking God for all the ways that he has worked, for all the ways that he loves us. Because the Christmas story, really at the end of the day, is about this small baby that reveals to us a really big God. And it is through worship, through magnifying him, that we bring that into focus. So Heavenly Father, today, uh, I just want to pray for all of us in the room. We want to acknowledge that the Christmas season for, for so many of us can be a hard time. There's so much joy, but there's, there's also sorrow and anxiety. There's grief and there's worry, there's fear. And so today, uh, we don't want to pretend that that's not true. But instead, God, would you show yourself to us? And in our practices of prayer, or of, of reading, of reflection this Christmas, I pray that we might see how big you truly are, that we might magnify you in our lives so that no matter what our biggest challenge is, we realize and remember that you are even bigger and that we can trust you because you love us in Jesus' name.